a lot of companies will kind of design their website to stroke their CEO, their marketing officer, or their own egos. When what's the point? Because it might look great to you, but it might be useless to your target customer just because you think the site should be green and it should be all about how many awards you've won. Your customer doesn't probably care about that. Hi there. Welcome to On The Flip Side, a podcast for anyone who wants to live their best sales life. We're going to be talking to buyers, sales managers, STRs, and A's about things like, what does it take to be a great sales manager? Or how can you go home happy month after month? So let's dive right in. Hi folks, welcome to another smashing episode of On The Flip Side with Wingman. I'm Kushal, and today's episode is going to be all about growth, sales, and marketing because our guest for today is Sam Dunning. Sam is sales director and co-owner of WebChoice, which builds websites and SEO strategies for you. And Sam is also the podcast host of the Business Growth Show, which is among the top 100 marketing podcasts. Wow, that's quite an achievement. Welcome to the show, Sam. Excited to have you here. Hey, Kushal. Yeah, really appreciate you inviting me on and looking forward to having a chat today. Great. Let's just dive right in. So I think we live in really interesting and sort of really changing times, right? With really a lot of newer platforms for growth such as LinkedIn or Reddit, or really so many amazing sales and marketing groups as well. And so much of the world now lives, works, and really sells online as well and remotely too. How do you think this has changed the way that we sell and market? And really, what do you think are some of the most promising channels for growth now for companies? Or do you think it's still business as basics? Yeah, I mean, things have changed massively, of course, with the, the pandemic and a lot, of, a lot of ways things have gone digitally from traditional methods. So... In terms of channel performance, are we talking about a B2B company as opposed to B2C typically? Yeah, I think we could focus on B2B companies. Good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there's I could go on and on about channels, but I guess let's keep it a bit more general. So this can be a bit more actionable for companies across different B2B sectors, whether they're providing software or a service or a SaaS company, whatever they may be. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to B2B, for, for myself, there's always one that's a no-brainer, which is going to be LinkedIn. Reason being is it's free to sign up. The chances are if you're in B2B sales then or marketing, your ideal customers most of the time are using it because it's the biggest network that's online. But why is it good? Well, it's good because you can literally connect with your ideal buyers, whether they're sales directors, marketing directors, head of marketing, whatever their job title may be. But more important than that, what I like to use it for is to kind of showcase, I guess, expertise in my niche. So in my case, it's kind of websites and SEO, digital marketing. So each day I can share posts around my sector, but not just to sell my wares, more to, I guess, show that I know what I'm talking about. So in my case, I'll try and provide kind of actionable tips or a recent story or a recent case study or what I feel is wrong with the industry. And it doesn't matter what sector you're in. It's a really good day. It's a really good way sorry, to put out a daily or bi-daily post of, just to share that you kind of have expertise in what you're talking about. You provide people with useful tips. So over time, you're building credibility and you're building some kind of authority. And on the basis that on LinkedIn, that your profile page acts as kind of a landing page. So again, that you don't think of it as an online CV, but you build out your landing page to actually hook leads, provide some social proof, so provide some trust, some reviews, some ideas in which people can kind of learn from you or how you help them. It's a really good way to kind of build trust, connect with idle buyers, gain referrals and, and gain inbound leads. So that would probably be definitely my first recommendation because it's free to get going. It doesn't take that much time each day. 
And there's so many opportunities. Like for us, it's our third best performing channel for new business. So that would definitely be my number, but the list could definitely go on. Got it. Do you think LinkedIn is, you know, as a platform is right for everyone? How much, you know, and how do companies really decide how much to lean into LinkedIn, especially being? Yeah, I think it's not for everyone. I think you need to actually go onto it and understand if your customers are actually hanging out on there. So for example, I think in most tech industries, the chances are your prospects are going to be on there. However, if you're in a much more traditional industry, let's say, I don't know, agriculture or something like that, and you're selling perhaps to farmers, they're probably not going to be hanging out on LinkedIn. Whereas you've, you've got to be realistic. And I mean, the other good thing that you can do with LinkedIn is you can actually go onto your prospects LinkedIn page, and then you can see if they've got any recent activity. And if you're constantly going onto your buyer's page and you can't see any recent activity from them in the last 90 days, then that should let you know that LinkedIn's probably not the best way to reach out to them. You probably want to consider other channels, whether that's the phone, email, Ad advertisements, whatever it may be. So that's that's what I'd say. But yeah, if you're in any kind of tech industry, then the chances are they will be. But it's easy to just use the search tool and get diving into it. That makes sense. That makes all sense. So this question is really an aside. I've seen a lot of people complaining about how LinkedIn has become like Facebook or Instagram or one of those sort of personal update platforms. What do you think about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily too bad, but I think there's a bit of a line that you need to stick to it depends what you're on linkedin for right so i'm not hesitant to say that i'm on linkedin i guess for selfish reasons because i actually want to generate sales leads as do many people on there whereas some people are just on there for fun or perhaps they're just on there to network or gain referrals or a number of other reasons so i tend to stick by kind of an 80 20 rule so 80 percent of the time I'll, or probably more than that probably 80 percent of the time 90 percent of the time i'll just post Kind of actual tips, insights, case studies around what we do to build authority in my sector. And then five, ten percent of the time I might post on the weekend like a picture of the family or a picture of our little one, or we've gone on a trip somewhere or we've done something interesting. Because think of it as from your prospect side, really, as if you were just constantly posting pictures of your food, your dinner, your nights out, whatever, whatever it may be personally, is that really gonna help a prospect? gain trust that you can do a good job for whatever your service your product is whereas if they're only ever seeing personal pictures so you've got to kind of think of it what do you actually want to get out of the platform and then reverse it from there really that would so it be sounds like advice. so it sounds like maybe thinking of building trust as the litmus test for what you're posting for instance if that's your goal that seems like a good way to kind of filter or uh, decide to filter content for linkedin or really any other platform too yeah exactly because People are typically not just LinkedIn, but any kind of social media. They're perhaps hanging on out, hanging out on it when they've got five minutes spare, or at lunchtime, or in the mornings when they're having a tea or a coffee, or in the evening when they're chilling out. So they're just scrolling through the feeds. So they don't necessarily want to be salty, right? Whereas they want to be typically educated, entertained, or helped in some way. So if you think of it on those three bases, so if your content can do one or three of the, those things or all of those things, then it's it's going to help you out rather than just doing a hard sell. If you can showcase that you're providing something useful or maybe an entertaining video around your sector or something helpful, some kind of tip or case study, whatever it may be, then over time that builds compound interest. So I often compare LinkedIn to SEO, search engine optimization. So SEO is a great long-term way to get your website to page one of Google. It's not quick. So it takes time, typically kind of four, six months plus. But over time, that'll bring web traffic. 
that'll build brand and that'll bring more, more sales opportunities your way. LinkedIn's much the same. You've got to kind of put in the daily work, create the daily content. And over time, the more people see your face, see your content, then they'll start to build that trust. And eventually, if they do need your help or if they know someone that needs your help, then they'll get in touch with you or refer someone your way. So it's, yeah, it's a long-term game, really. Yeah, seems like it's more long-term than really spray and paint and hope for the best. And it appears yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, on, on the note of kind of what are the go-to market channels for a B2B company, then LinkedIn's kind of a no-brainer. If you want short-term traffic sales, depending on what budget you've got, and if you're a startup or an established company, then you probably want to look at things like getting a solid website. So, I mean, having a, a website, I always say it's, it's your very best salesperson, or it could be your worst salesperson, because if it's poorly designed... Hopefully <laughs> yeah, hopefully not, but a lot of them are. Um, I mean, if you've got a poorly designed website that's kind of built on your own ego, on what you think looks good rather than designed for your ideal customers, then that's that's a flaw. So thinking about a website that clearly demonstrates what you do, how you help people, and make it really easy to, for people to get in touch with you is so And then combining that with some kind of marketing strategy, whether that's LinkedIn as a kind of medium-term game, whether that's looking at paid ads or sponsored ads, depending on, what, again, where your customers are. That might be Google ads. That might be G2 if you're in the SaaS industry. It might be social media ads like Facebook or Insta. Again, work out where your customers are. So paid ads are a great way to get short-term traffic to your site and then convert them into sales ops. Or long-term then, yeah, looking at things like SEO, search and optimization to get organic free traffic over things like we're doing now, having a podcast. Something I posted about earlier, podcast is a great way, really, really cheap way to interview ideal customers to build authority in your sector, much like LinkedIn. And it's really cheap because it only costs, what, 100 100, 100, 150 pounds for a decent mic and then you can use channels like Anchor for free to set up a podcast. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of channels for B2B to get stuck into, some free, some paid. Some might take your own time investment, some type might take monetary investment. So happy to dive into any of those deeper if you'd like. Great. What I'm hoping we can do is kind of switch lanes a little bit and talk more about sales and marketing alignment. And sure. especially because, you know, you're someone who's kind of straddled both sales and marketing. And I guess you continue to kind of understand both those roles deeply and closely as well. What do you think CEOs and founders of really smaller companies or smaller businesses and startups should really keep in mind when they're just setting out their sales and marketing functions just to ensure that the two really work in alignment? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's not an easy one. So I guess it depends on the size of your company, right? Because personally, I would always hire sales first because without revenue coming in, you don't have a business. So I think that's really important. And yeah, I mean, getting them aligned is, is a tough question. So again, it all depends on the size of your company and how many staff you can hire first. Um, what I think is important is if you are a founder of a company, then you learn to sell your product. It's, it's so important because as a founder, you might be more technically minded. So you might be really good at talking about the product itself, the specifications of the product. You might know all the ins and outs, how to get it rolling, how to overcome issues, but you might not be great at striking up conversations with prospects. So whether that is your own personal development, listening to podcasts, reading books, getting sales training, whatever, you, just the art of listening, understanding your prospects, common problems, common frustrations, common pain points, is so important so you can have really insightful conversations and take people through the sales process from kind of initial pain to discovery to moving them along to proposal demo pitch and then eventually closing them is so key. And then kind of making your first sales hires will then come a lot more naturally if you're trained up in it yourself. And then on a marketing standpoint, I've 
I've got a problem with a lot of marketers because I think they're terrible, mainly because I've, to, <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of them and I feel like a lot of salespeople spend a lot more time on their personal development than marketers do. So a lot of salespeople, Ouch. yeah, I'm not afraid to say it because a lot of salespeople will work hard and they'll, yes, they've got bonuses, but they'll do it because they, they'll read, they'll spend time on listening to podcasts. Again, all these things that I've spoken to, they'll refine and make themselves better. Whereas a lot, I'm shocked at how many marketers don't do the same thing. I don't know. I think it's maybe it's because companies hiring processes are quite lazy and they just think anyone can do a kind of marketing exec marketing manager job. I'm not saying all do, but I'm saying from personal experience, I've seen sales reps put a lot more time in their personal investment. So I'd, yeah, I'd love for people to prove me wrong. But going back to your point how can marketing and sales be more aligned well i think they can talk to each other more so a lot of kind of sales copy whether that's content on your website or content on your ads your blog posts your videos whatever one of the best ways to get crispy juicy problem frustration orientated copy is to listen to conversations with your sales team so if marketers could kind of listen in on their sales calls have more conversation with their sales the sales team are in the front and center of the customers right they're talking to the fresh leads or they're making the cold calls. So they know what the common problems that people come to your business with to address are, and they know what the desired end outcome is. You can then take those common problems to um, entice your customers by using that on your ad copy, your website headlines, your landing page headlines, etc. And likewise, when you've done a good job for a customer, you can use your the words from your own customer's mouth on how you help them, the problem they came to you with, the results you brought to them for case studies, for social proof, for videos, for testimonials, and all that good stuff. So just understand that your sales team aren't the enemy, that they're going to provide you with the useful content that you need, so then you can work together to give them that those brochures, give them those white papers, give them those useful videos, give them those useful case studies. So hope marketers don't take too much offense to that, but it's got to be said. And I'm a marketer myself, so I can say it. <laughs> so it sounds like the way really for sales and marketing teams to work better together is to maybe focus more on the customer and maybe make that the really the core of their interactions and what they're talking about as well. Yeah, don't, don't rely on guesswork, really, because your prospects, your customers are going to give you all the intel you need. It's like when I kind of alluded to earlier, a lot of companies will kind of design their website to stroke their CEO, their marketing officer, or their own egos. When what's the point? Because it might look great to you, but it might be useless to your target customer. Just because you think the site should be green and it should be all about how many awards you've won, your customer doesn't probably care about that. What they want to do is land on your site straight away, know that you can fix their problem or you can make their life better, show proof, perhaps social proof of how you've done it, case studies, and then guide them to take action, whether that's request a demo, whatever the next step may be. Or if they're higher up in the sales process and they're not ready to speak to sales, then perhaps they just want to see useful resources, um, whether that's videos, case studies, podcasts, etc. So understanding what's important to your customer, not just what you want to put out there. Got it. Just curious, do you recommend that when folks are working on their websites and they kind of test them once they're done with one version and kind of maybe go back to their ICP to the audience and get their thoughts on it? Is that something that should become a part of the process? Definitely. So, I mean, you don't even need to, well, you can do it after for sure. But whilst perhaps you're at the early stages of designing, talk to some of your best customers that you enjoy working with, that are profitable and that are good growth to your company. And then ask them, look, when selecting a vendor like ours, what's most important to you? What do you really need to see in a website like ours? And they might say, like, we really want to see case studies on XYZ, or we want to understand more about your team, or we want to see certain testimonials. And they're going to give you golden nuggets of useful information that 
customers like that actually want to see on your website so you don't have to rely so much on guesswork so that's probably what i'd recommend like for example we recently changed our contact page and our thank you page we put together a few options then we just showed a bunch of customers and prospects and said look which is best which do you prefer and why so that way you're just not guessing what's going to work you can actually just ask your customers yeah it sounds like just ask is always evergreen advice that always works mm. yeah exactly unless you're a brand new company then you might have to kind of talk to your network might have to talk to prospects rather than existing customers but it's always better to do that and then iterate after great sam i think that kind of brings me to one of my last questions on the show which is really what is the number one impact that you want to drive on the world and this is always my favorite question to ask oh that's a big question <laughs> never really thought about that i suppose i mean I, that's that's a really really good question i suppose my perspective on this has changed a bit i suppose from a business side of things I suppose if we're talking purely business, then I want to provide kind of no BS advice, whether that's on your website and your SEO to actually kind of help you generate more sales opportunities and just want to kind of shed decent advice on that front based on experience. Whereas if it comes to my personal life, then we've we've recently had a, a son. So we've got a 13 year old son. So I want to make sure we give him the, the best life possible, make sure we, I try and teach him from my mistakes and Hopefully he does great and, and has a, a great and prosperous life. So that's, that's that's about it for me. That sounds, those sound like good goals to go with. Cool. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sam. I think it's really been a pleasure to kind of have you on the show. And I think we've learned a lot from this really quick chat with you as well. Thank you so much for getting on the flip side. No, I appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me on.